welcome to another episode of the WOW podcast, the podcast that will help you navigate your way through the world of adulthood and the uncontrollable forces of womanhood. I'm Georgina Beasley, your host, and today's episode is a special one. I have decided to share with you guys my endometriosis story so far. So I will preface it by saying that this episode is just details of my personal experience and that I am not a medical professional. So please, if you do feel like you may be presenting some of the same symptoms that I talk about, go speak to an expert because I definitely am not one. (laughs) Otherwise, I really hope you enjoy it. This was um, quite a personal story for me to share, but one that will hopefully um, share in the greater good of raising more awareness about this awful disease so if you do enjoy it just remember to subscribe or click follow leave a review if you're on apple Podcasts, share it with your friends and if you haven't already you better come follow us on instagram at the wow podcast underscore Hey guys, I hope you're doing well today. Um, I thought I would sit down and have a little chat with you guys about my endometriosis journey. This month is March into Yellow, which is um, the Endometriosis Australia's month of raising awareness of the illness. So I thought it was only fitting that I sat down to share a little bit about my experience Um being diagnosed, um, living with endometriosis, how I treat it, what I do about it. So yeah, before we dive in though, I would like to start by acknowledging the Ngunnawal people, the traditional custodians of the land I reside on here in Canberra, and I pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging. I extend that respect to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening today. So I have endometriosis. Uh, My last laparoscopic surgery was in June last year where um, I was told I have stage three endometriosis. But as I spoke with Donna, one of the directors and co-founders of endometriosis last week, um, she touched on the fact that, you know, just because you have stage three endometriosis doesn't mean that your symptoms or your experiences with pain is any worse than someone that has stage one. You can have stage one endometriosis and be in far more severe pain than someone with, you know, stage four. So it's been a bit of a journey and I would be lying if I said it was easy. It's extremely tough, but I think it's been a blessing in disguise because I've learned a lot about myself and I think it's definitely made me a better person. So although it's really tough and hard and days aren't easy and I struggle a lot in certain areas, which I'll touch on a little bit more in the episode, I'm really glad to have this disease. I try to look at it in the positive ways and I think the positive effects that it's had on me is that it's made me really learn to set boundaries Um, with my energy, with my health, with what I give out into the world. It's taught me to be kind to myself and kind to my body. It's taught me to listen to myself, listen to how I'm feeling, um, how my body's responding. And it's taught me, I think, to just, I don't know, it's just taught me to be kinder because I think at the end of the day, uh, living with a disease that's invisible especially, I think you realize that you just don't know what's going on in anyone's life, like behind closed doors. And I know especially I don't I don't like to 
give out a lot of information as to how I'm going with my health because I don't want to be a burden to others sometimes and I think yeah that can be really interesting because I'm sure a lot of other women dealing with you know chronic illnesses feel the same way so I think it's important that we don't judge on the way that someone's being like I think it's such a personal thing to deal with and you just never know what someone's dealing with behind closed doors so it's important to be kind to others as well as yourself but yeah where it all began I've had really horrible period problems for my whole life I think like when I first got my period I just remember it being awful like wow I was in boarding school and I went to an all-girls school and so the nurses used to have people rocking up with period pain to get out of class like every hour of the day they were constantly getting girls coming in going oh miss I have period pain can I please lay down um And so they had to be really strict on the way that they dealt with this because otherwise they'd probably have half the school in the sick bay laying down with period pain. So quite often if you went to the medical bay without excuse, they would hand you a Panadol and a Nurofen and tell you to get back to class. I knew I was different because they wouldn't do that with me. When I came in and I said I had period pain, you know, they would know how severe I was gonna face it and they would the first thing they'll do is get me to lay down make sure I've got a heat back make sure I've got all the things because my period pain was the kind of pain that makes you want to faint or pass out or vomit um it makes you feel like so unwell um and it was horrible I couldn't I just I couldn't go to school some days and it was it would really impact on my day-to-day life because I think uh, before <laughs> before being diagnosed I was someone that took on way too much I'm like felt I overcommitted massively massively I'm like yeah I can do it all that's fine I can do it all I don't need to make time for myself like oh that doesn't matter I want to give my time to everyone else and that made it really hard when I was experiencing pain on my period. So I think I went on the pill for, you know, that was the first thing any doctor said to me was, I'll go on the pill, that will fix it. So I was like, cool, went on the pill, didn't fix it. My period became really irregular, still became really painful. It would get extremely heavy. Um, It was just all over the shop. It was so hard to know. Uh, like I just remember sitting in class and I'm sure many of you have experienced this where you're like sitting down and you're just like god I don't want to get up because I'm so afraid my periods just leaked everywhere and so you get your jumper and if you don't have a jumper you're like fuck I just hope it hasn't leaked um and the first thing you do when the class finishes is like run to the bathroom. I just remember just like hating life when I had my period because it was just so horrible and like not nice to me. And so I've been on so many different pills. I couldn't even tell you. Like I think I've tried maybe 12 different pills throughout my lifetime. So every six months I was like swapping because it wouldn't work. And then I finally found one that did and I think that put everything at bay for quite some time. So basically when I graduated high school, I had finally found something that was somewhat working for me or midway through university maybe I found something that was working for me and I kind of just forgot about worrying about my period problem. I was just told to, you know, don't just keep skipping your period, don't have a period and stay on the pill. So I did that 
and then I was rushed to hospital <laughs> in when I was in university with like chronic abdominal sharp pains. I was having these most severe sharp lower abdominal pains that were getting worse and worse and worse until like it literally felt like I had a knife stabbing into me. And I mean, most people think it's appendicitis. Um, it wasn't appendicitis. I was in hospital for like three days and no one had any clue and no one asked me any questions about my period history. Um, looking back on that and looking like having spoken to doctors about my history, a lot of them think that that was probably like a cyst bursting or um, something playing up with my endometriosis in my in my body. But um, basically, it went quiet again, and it wasn't until I moved to Melbourne when I was twenty that things just fell into a heap. I moved from WA to Melbourne. I broke up with uh, a boyfriend. Um, I was working a really toxic job, which um, I was working, you know, ridiculous hours, earning nothing, living in Melbourne, paying my way. So I was broke as anything. And my body was not functioning. I just collapsed into a heap. Fatigue took over. I could not stay awake at work. I was falling asleep at my laptop. I was having, you know, this really bad period pain still, but the fatigue was the main thing that took over. And I spent, it wasn't till another year after that fatigue, wave of fatigue started. I just pushed through it and kept going. I was living with this fatigue and then it wasn't until the year later when I was, you know, um, I had turned 21 and I had just moved in with my, with my new boyfriend and who's my current boyfriend now. <laughs> um, we had just moved in together and I was struck down with really severe, sharp stabbing pains. And instead of it just being, um, I guess when I have my period on my normal cycle, it was like all the time and it was insane I mean it was just like someone was taking a knife and stabbing you and I really I think it's really serious that we don't play down pain like when I say I felt like someone was stabbing me someone it felt like someone had a knife and was stabbing me and I think I have a very I think anyone if you have period pain you have a high like a well high or low um pain tolerance I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to say I want to say is that like you're not very susceptible to pain because your body is so used to living in pain that it gets so used to it that it has to it has to take really tremendous amounts of you know pain to actually get you feeling something because you've got to remember if you're living with period pain every month for you know seven years your body adjusts to it and get used to it so um <laughs> Yeah, it takes a lot for me to feel pain. And so when I say that it feels like someone's stabbing me, someone is stabbing me. And I'm, I just wish that people, more people would understand that. Like it is, it just feels so horrendous. And I was getting extremely bloated. Um, and this is all mixed in with the fatigue. I mean, I look like a pregnant lady, which isn't really what you want to look at when you're 20, when you're 21. I just felt so ugly and unattractive and, and it really messes with, the way your relationship with your body, because I just hated myself. Like I felt I was just like in this rut where it was just like, I can't do the things that I love because I'm in so much pain. Um, I, I don't love myself because I look disgusting. Like I 
didn't know why my boyfriend wanted to stay with me because I just felt like a burden. It was such like a really dark place to try and navigate. And at the same time, I had seen so many doctors like, you know, this is obviously something I've been dealing with this kind of pain for a very long time. And the amount of times I've seen doctors that have just told me to go on the pill and not worry about it. It's ridiculous. And I had seen, you know, a couple of different doctors at this point and like none of them want to investigate it or it's like, oh, you have IBS, try the low FODMAP diet. So I'm like, okay, go away and try the low FODMAP diet. And I really commit to it because I want to get better. And I come back after, you know, three months and I'm like, I've been doing this low FODMAP diet and nothing's changed. And they're like, well, take some Metamucil. It's, it's just IBS. You, yeah, it really, there's something wrong with you if it's not working. And it just makes you feel like shit when you're like literally searching, searching for all the answers and like no one has them for you. And you just like, it makes you feel, oh, it makes me emotional even thinking about how lost I felt at that time because I just felt like so stupid. I was like, you know, what the fuck's wrong with me? Why doesn't anyone know what's wrong with me? Why won't anyone listen to me when I'm saying I know it's not IBS or I know it's not this because, you know, I feel like I know my body. And so when I'm being told by a professional, which we're told to trust, and, you know, I want to preface this by saying that there are amazing doctors out there, like incredible doctors out there when you get the right ones. But at the same point, you know, um, as discussed with Donna last week, the co-founder of Endometriosis Australia, the research shows that this illness goes undiagnosed for on average, it takes seven years to be diagnosed with it. So it's not uncommon for women not to be, um, I guess, their pain to not be taken seriously and to not be listened to. And I really felt like that. And I just, I felt really lost because, you know, these people are meant to be there to support you when you're sick or help you when you're sick. And I was not getting any help or any support. And it's really hard. I mean, I just feel so much for anyone that's dealing with a chronic illness and feeling really lost because it messes with your, I mean, I just, my anxiety was through the roof. I have an anxiety disorder. So dealing with the two things, like they really, when one thing's bad, usually the other gets bad as well. They really feed off each other. So, you know, I was in, just in this heightened state of anxiety. I was so far away from my family who were in WA and I was like, what am I doing? I just want to be well. I'm like 21 and I can't function like a human being. I want to be well. And I'd had, you know, colonoscopy, gastroscopy, so many different blood tests under the sun. I'd seen this specialist, that specialist. And it is so expensive to do this stuff. Like the amount of money I would have saved. And I'm talking like thousands of dollars I've spent on my health trying to figure out what's going on. But I don't think people realize the financial burden of like medical problems such as this, that, you know, when something isn't easily diagnosed, you have to go through all the different things to find out what it is. So all my money was going towards medical bills and, um, it wasn't until I felt really fed up one day and I'd found a really good doctor and she had assured me that she would do, you know, she would try every single test she could to help me. And I felt really comfortable with her. Um, but at the same time, I wasn't getting answers. And my mum was just on the phone to me one night and was like, we need to, we need to 
do something left of field. Like you are not getting the answers. Just let's go to a naturopath, go to a naturopath and see what they say. And so I did. Um, and my doctor was really open to that idea. She said, you know, if, if you think something, something else is going to help you, you go do that because we need to find what's going to work for you. And we need to find a cure because she knew how much pain I was in. So she wanted, she didn't mind who was going to help me. She just wanted me to get help. Um, and she was happy to support me on that journey, which was really lucky because I know a lot of people, a lot of doctors anyway, don't like working alongside, um, I guess, holistic medicine purposes for their own reasons. And that's completely fine. But um, this naturopath, after doing a lot of gut stuff and thinking, OK, well, if all these doctors think it's IBS, let's let's look at, into that. And came back and, you know, nothing had changed. And he was like, OK, well, let's eliminate that. That's not the problem. And he was like, what other things? You know, tell me about your medical history. What's what in your life has been a major, you know, medical problem for you? And I said, my period, like <laughs> just my period. And he said, oh, my God, I know what you have. You have endometriosis and I'd never heard of it before. And I was like, oh my God, what? Like, is this, (laughs) what the hell is this? And he said, I think you have endometriosis. He explained what it was. For those that don't know, it's where the lining of your uterus grows outside the uterus on all types of different organs throughout the body. And I was like, wow, that sounds serious. So without knowing much, I went to my doctor and I said, he thinks this, what do you think? And she just looked at me and smiled and said that's it oh my gosh we've found it we know what it is I can't believe I didn't think of this um he is so right it is endometriosis so she referred me to a gynecologist and I had my first laparoscopic surgery to diagnose me it's very annoying but that's the only way you can be diagnosed so I went in for surgery it's a keyhole surgery where they make four incisions into your like the lower abdominal region so you know um in my belly button and then just a bit further down between my vagina and belly button there's one to the right hand side one to the left and then one at the top of um like your vagina like where your pubic hair kind of starts they also do an incision there like at normally usually sometimes depending on where your endometriosis is at though they will um, do more key they'll do other keyholes in in the areas that it is but standard because it was my first um, surgery they were going to have a look everywhere so that was where they looked and um, yeah they found it and I woke up and the gynecologist was like you should be all better now you know have rest for a couple of weeks and you'll be fine so I was really excited to start this new life and I went on my merry way and I didn't get any better (laughs) I just got worse and I was still in so much pain and it was ridiculous and I just thought what is going on and I called up this gynecologist and I said I am in so much pain when is this pain gonna stop is this post post post-surgery pain like what is going on and he said well, you've had the surgery, so there's nothing in you. I don't know why you're experiencing pain. It should just disappear. So give it another month and it should just disappear. It was the wrong... I didn't know enough about endometriosis. And if I could change anything, I wouldn't have gone with a gynecologist to do the surgery. You definitely need a gynecologist to do the surgery, but the person that I saw specializes in delivering babies. So he was a gynecologist obstetrician and his day-to-day job was delivering babies. His day-to-day job was not removing endometriosis. 
I would highly recommend finding a gynecologist to perform the surgery who specializes in endometriosis or is dealing with a lot of it because unfortunately he actually performed quite an unsuccessful surgery on me, which I'll go on to explain. He didn't get it all uh, at the time I thought he had. And, you know, you put your trust in these professionals when they say you're fixed, that you should be fixed. And so I went back into this torment of a time being like, I'm meant to be fixed and my body is not helping me and I don't know what to do. So I quit my job. Um, I had been working part-time because I couldn't work a full-time job with everything going on, which is another thing I want to say that I got um, was on Centrelink for some time. So for anyone who's really struggling with their health um, in diagnosing endometriosis, I know you can get Centrelink support. Um, which is very helpful. I mean, it doesn't cover all costs when you're looking at, you know, living expenses and then medical expenses, but it's it's a bloody help when you can't physically work. So I haven't actually, I've been, it's been two years or two and a half years now and I have not been able to go back to full-time work since, which sucks, <laughs> but I'm choosing to prioritize my health and my body. And if I try to do too much I fall into a heap and so I seem to have found a medium at the moment where I can do enough to be to fulfill myself without falling into a heap and getting my endometriosis to flare up but it is a really tricky medium to find and I've been really lucky I've had the most supportive workplaces which are just a blessing and it I mean, without the support of my workplace, I would have been, you know, I would have been without a job. So I'm so lucky for them. But yeah, I quit my job and I went camping around Australia with my partner because we thought I need to take time to focus on my health. So maybe I just need to have six months laying on a beach in like far north Australia doing nothing but just like prioritizing my health and relaxing and getting some sun and some seawater and doing that kind of good stuff for you so I did that and problems persist (laughs) I still had I mean it was a lot better it was a lot better camping and being out in nature and doing all those kind of healthy good things for you but when I returned home things got you know a lot worse um and I was dealing with uh, I had developed vag- vaginismus, um, which I'm going to talk about in a couple more episodes in the future. I interview um, Lauren French about it. She's a sexologist and we talk about sexual pain, but it's where your pelvic floor is so tight that basically sex really hurts. And so my muscles in my vagina were just like rock solid and so obviously that's not normal and so it wasn't until I moved to Canberra at the start of 2020 the start of the pandemic that I was like I need to see someone so I booked in to see an endometriosis specialist he performed an internal ultrasound and he was like yeah your bowel and uterus are uterus are fused and what they're fused with is a huge lump of suspected endometriosis so it was like no wonder you're in so much pain and it was the first time that I just sat there and cried and felt so validated because I was like I thought I was so I thought I was a freak I thought I was I just didn't I was struggling to believe my own pain because everyone told me I should be fine after surgery and so it was just so validating and he was so fantastic he's for Canberra listeners his name's Dr. Menenkaya and he was 
so fantastic. And so he performed surgery um, on me in June last year and um, that was really successful. He said, you know, he diagnosed me with stage three endometriosis and said, if you had told me you had had surgery 18 months ago, I would have said that you're lying because there was that much endometriosis in you that there's no way someone has been in there and, you know, cleaned you out because there is just no way that that could have happened. So the way that my bowel and uterus fused was from the scar tissue of my previous surgery when it was healing. It, it attached, like it just healed by fusing those two parts of my body together. So I had to get that all separated. And, and since it's it's been better, but it's a day-to-day thing. Um, I live in a lot of pain still and it's not easy, but like I said, I've learned a lot from it and I think I'm a better person from it. I think with all these things, I know when you're going through the toughest times in life, it's really important to know that you're going to learn so much from them. And I've just tried to keep looking at that as a blessing. And, you know, if I hadn't have gotten endometriosis, I wouldn't have started this podcast and I would not be speaking to you today about my story. And I would not be interviewing the most amazing women that I get to interview for you guys. And I wouldn't have learned half the stuff that I have from my interview guests. So I feel so privileged to have had that experience and I wouldn't have had it without this illness because that has really spurred me to live a really different life and probably to live a more fulfilling life. Like I just realized that I could not live a life on steroids. Like that is just not healthy for the body. Um, And it's so important to listen to your body and to know that if you feel a certain way, your feelings are validated, your pain is validated, your pain is real. And don't let anyone tell you that it isn't because you know your body better than anyone else. It's so hard to find the right people, but when you do, that really helps. So my life today looks like I really looks it's it's interesting. I go through bouts of flared up endometriosis, bouts of happiness and pain-free days which I just cherish so much. I wake up and sometimes I feel like I can't get out of bed because I've got I get a lot of lower back pain. I've got something called chronic pain syndrome which my nerve pathways basically over the past like several years of dealing with all this pain I've been in have become so accustomed of being in pain that they don't know how to act without it. So my body produces pain, even though there's nothing causing pain, Um, which is a whole nother problem, but I'm, I'm dealing with it. Like I see an osteopath for that and that helps. I have a TENS machine and I would highly recommend that to anyone. A TENS machine is fantastic. I've tried, I've been to a, a chiropractor I've been to acupuncturist I've been to so many different allied health services to help and they have they all help in their different ways um you know I think it's important that like I said finding the right person is so important and it's kind of like dating you know when you have a chronic illness I'm looking for people that want to be with me for the next five years of my life in helping me get better and so you know it is a bit like dating you're not just gonna the meet one person and be like oh yeah you'll do like you need to find the right person that really understands you understands your condition and um that you get along with and is happy to work with you on your journey and so it's exhausting tiring and expensive to go through heaps of healthcare like practitioners but it's worthwhile because when you find the right one it's such a blessing 
So I'm really hopeful that they do find a cure or they find easier treatment plans um, for people living with endometriosis. My biggest fear uh, is that I won't be able to fall pregnant uh, because I really want to have a family. So endometriosis sufferers, one in two, I'm pretty sure one in two don't uh, like struggle to conceive due to infertility. So um, that's something that down the track I'll have to deal with. But I really have my fingers and toes crossed that that's something I'll be able to do. Um, but then my next fear would be if I had a a, a daughter that they would um, have the disease as well. So it's it's not – no one knows how you get endometriosis, but they have found that if someone in your family has it, it's seven to eight times more likely for you to have it. So that would be my next concern is that I would hate to pass this on because it is not pleasant and it is really hard it is so hard but it's yeah life with it is manageable and it is beautiful and it is possible it just takes a lot of hard work so my thoughts go out there for anyone suffering with endometriosis or anyone with PCOS or anyone dealing with period pain it's not fucking easy and I want you to know that you're heard and um, that I will listen to you. If you ever want to chat, I feel your pain and I'm happy to talk to anyone that has questions about my journey or just needs someone to listen. I'm happy to, to listen. But yeah, you're not alone and there's others out there and it's really normal. So anyway, I hope my story can hopefully maybe make someone else realize out there that their period pain isn't normal and to do something about that and to raise awareness of endometriosis I really hope that more people are just if your friend has endometriosis just be more lenient with them it's it's hard it's difficult and you know they they're trying their best to be the best type of friend that they can dealing with everything else that's going on behind the scenes so yeah anyway that's it for today. Have a lovely week, guys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Wow. I hope you enjoyed my story. Uh, if you did, I release new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you come back and click subscribe or follow to tune in next week. Otherwise, follow us on Instagram for now at the Wow Podcast underscore for more updates. Lastly, before I leave you, just a friendly reminder that the information shared in this podcast is general advice only and does not take into account your personal situation or needs. So where appropriate, please consult a health professional first. Thank you, ladies. Have a good week.